Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. When I first saw Audie, he was standing in my driveway, towering over my five-year-old daughter. He stood 6'4", weighed no less than 300 pounds, and was covered in dust from his day, blue jeans wet with mud, and a white shirt turned tan from his work. The kids had gone outside without me, and when I noticed a car in our driveway that I didn't recognize, my heart stopped and my stomach seized. I sprinted to the door and tripped over the dog and knocked over a kitchen chair all in my panic. I flew to the driveway to get eyes on my kids, and I must have been quite a sight because when Audie saw me, he lifted his hands and took two giant steps back, startled and apologetic. What do you need? I asked, with Amelia now safely encircled my arm across the front of her chest. I'm so sorry, he said. I didn't mean to scare you. He spoke the way that a deaf person might, his speech impediment making his syllables blunt and louder than necessary, but he seemed to understand me just fine when I reiterated, what is it exactly that you need? Why are you here? My heart not yet settled. My name is Audie. I do gravel. You do what? Gravel, like the rocks in your driveway. I'll give you a good price. I was annoyed. Gravel? He scared the hell out of me over gravel, and out of all the things that this house needed, extra gravel in our driveway didn't even come close to making the list. Let me back up. Three months before, our family of six was living in 4,000 square feet on two peaceful acres where we woke to birds and bunnies and slept to bullfrogs and hoot owls. There were trails and native plants and dormer windows and an open pasture for a football field or a baseball diamond, whatever the kids fancied. A forever home, a happily ever after. Our life was neatly in place and hemmed in by a corral fence. One Sunday afternoon with the house to myself, I was cleaning out closets and I had set the surplus by the back door for my husband to help me load into the car for goodwill when he got home. As I looked at the trash bags piled like an ample plastic snowman, it occurred to me that the only reason I was taking those bags to goodwill was because I didn't know anyone to give them to. I had to take my excess to goodwill because I simply didn't know anyone to give it to. I had zoned anyone who wasn't just like me out of my life. Hmm. I didn't have any idea what to do about that fact, but I loaded up those bags, determined now to do it by myself, cussing and frustrated and very certain that Jesus would be zone-free. I called my husband a little weepy, a little frantic, I don't even think it was his lunch break, but I didn't see how that was my problem when the house had come crashing down. As soon as he picked up, I spewed words into his ear that I can't remember now. Fast and furious, I ranted, We're too comfortable here, husband. We shouldn't be this comfortable. Not yet. Because life is about our comfort there, not our comfort here. Everyone looks exactly like me in the stupid carpool line, and I just packed a bag for goodwill that I should be able to give to somebody that we care about. Are you listening? Are you there? We look around at all these gifts and we call them blessings. And I'm not so sure about that anymore. We need to cut out the goodwill middleman husband. We need to get to work. We need to throw our door off the hinges. We need to love our neighbor. 
I don't know that that can happen well from here. I don't know. Husband? Husband? Hello? I love you, woman. We'll talk when I get home, he said. I could hear his smile and the shake of his head on the other end of the phone. And one month later, we had moved. It was fast and furious, and we felt led. Like those bags by the door, leaving was an easy purge. It felt like freedom. And up until that point in my life, I think I had only been comfortable as a friend of Jesus's, but never as a follower. This move, it felt like following for us. And so we moved to the heart of the neighboring city, expecting to see need. We expected to see junky porches and daily garage sales and track marks and drug deals and petty theft and loneliness and houses condemned. There were the kids who passed by on their way home from school to an empty apartment. There were the prostitutes in the apartment complex who couldn't think of a better way. The tattooed and the scarred men who stood on the corner, forced to grow up too soon. And the addicts in the park who would never find what they were after. Brokenness was what we expected, and honestly, our bleakest visions weren't at all far off. I expected to see my own brokenness, too. I knew that there were going to be things that I would learn about myself. I wasn't arrogant enough to think that the only depravity that needed revealed was other people's. I invited these personal revelations. And I probably still would if I wasn't now aware of just how ugly my brokenness actually is. A junky porch, it's really not much in comparison. Back to Audie. On closer inspection, I could feel that he was harmless. He was a hard-working guy. He was probably difficult to hire, but he was willing to put himself out there and get his pants dusty and make a deal. I liked Audie, but the price that he was asking seemed like a lot of money for something that we didn't even really need. But we smiled a smile, me trying to make up for our intense introduction and him hoping for me to give him the go-ahead. And so we shook hands and said that we'd meet again at 5.30 when my husband was home. And Audie, he wasn't one minute early, he wasn't one minute late. We hired him on the spot to complete half of the driveway, even though we didn't really need it. So he started right away, and he did a wonderful job. In the weeks after that, Audie would occasionally drop by to see if we were ready for him to complete the second half. He would slink up to the door, sheepish. He would ask us for our business. And we would talk a while and learn about his wife's illnesses or their car troubles, but we never took Audie up on his offer again, and every time we would eventually have to tell him, no, not right now, sorry. Thursdays are t-ball days for us, and the madness of picking the kids up, getting them homework, fed, ready for practice, and to the field on time makes me crazier than I already am. I feel like the world's most ineffective drill sergeant with the world's most unruly soldiers— Get your shoes on. I literally sweat and can feel my blood pressure skyrocket while getting everyone into the car with all of the appropriate gear. And my blood pressure doesn't lower until they file out of the car and run to their corresponding field. I sit in silence for a while to celebrate my good health returning. Naturally, Audie came by on a Thursday right at 5. And 5 is when my husband gets home to change clothes, Superman style, because he coaches the team and he needs to jump into the car with us, Dukes of Hazard style. I was idling in the driveway, waiting for him to join us, and there was Audie, idling in the street, waving to get my husband's attention. I saw my husband recognize Audie and start to head that way, and with my blood pressure on the moon, I rolled down the window and I yelled, "'We do not have time for that right now. It has to wait.'" Seth took a moment to explain that we were on our way to T-Ball and Audie drove away. And that was that. Audie never returned. 
and I didn't even think about Audie or gravel or my driveway again until I tried to call him several weeks later like I promised myself I would. His phone just rang and rang, and my stomach dropped when an operator put it bluntly that I had made an error. There's no dramatic ending. It's pretty unceremonious, really. The memory of yelling that what Audie needed was something that we did not have time for has hung in my mind like a heavy veil covering up what I have no interest in seeing. Over and over, I told myself that Audie's needs really needed to wait. But what didn't need to wait was a long white summer dress at a boutique that would be perfect for our upcoming anniversary trip. I found money for my millionth dress just fine. And since Christmas time was right around the corner, what also didn't need to wait was a professionally taken family photo sent to announce our cheer and to circulate God's love near and far. Cheer and God's love required six coordinating outfits. There were things, things we needed too, Audie. I moved into this neighborhood naively. What's frustrating about it is that I knew that, which made me feel like I wasn't naive. I was naive. I am naive. I thought moving would make me a different person. I thought that a physical change would equal an internal one. I thought moving here would change my heart, but it turns out that I'm just the same old me. I thought it would make me more hospitable. Not so much. My neighbor's brokenness pulls back the veil and reveals my own brokenness. Those porches, those track marks, those children, those guys selling gravel, they're broken and they show up and they show me my own brokenness. When it shows up at my door, as it often does, I open it and I see my treasures, the treasures that I can't relinquish, my listed hierarchies and what it is that I hold dear, the things that will not bend. My neighbors are mirrors. I hang my head and beg to be changed after seeing myself as I really am and not who I wish I was. And it's sick, but do you know what I wish? If it were all going to go to hell and our move was only something physical, do you know what I wish? Instead of the middle of t-ball with Christmas cards to pay for, I wish that I would have woken up to Audie banging on our door in the middle of the night with his wife beside him and a kid under their arm asking Seth and I for help, for a place to sleep, for a few extra dollars, because then we could never say, no, not right now. But that's not the way it works around here. Nobody comes up banging and begging. They slink around sheepish. I wonder if Audie has a kid, and if he does, was he ever on a t-ball team? I wonder if Audie has ever had his family photo professionally taken. I wonder if Audie has ever coordinated his family's outfits for no good reason except to decorate another's mailbox. I know the answers don't lie in coming here and rescuing everyone. It's a grandiosity that I've never believed, no matter how many times someone has suggested it. The tilted heads and the bright smiles at a fancy party in a fancy house. Shining eyes that blink and say with enthusiasm that they just love our missional living. They squat with excitement at the word love and grab my hand at the word missional, and I want to break loose and shake off the words that hang like a veil, the veil that hides the lie. The only thing worse than people calling me a saint for moving here are the people who call me a sinner. Paternalism, gentrification, white guilt, taking affordable housing from people who need it, I've heard it all. And banging my head about that is another story. I don't believe that it's everyone's calling to move here, but I do believe that it is mine. I don't think that I'm holier than anyone who lives in the suburbs. 
and I don't even think that any holiness that I've stumbled upon in this life along my way is even mine. And by the way, no one needs to feel bad for me. Our house is a beautiful two-story New Orleans-style red brick, black wrought iron house built in the 40s. And our new neighborhood is one of the only neighborhoods left that mixes the nice houses with the shabby houses. And our park across the street is a lovely mix of color and background and socioeconomic status and varying levels of complicated story. My precious, precious housekeeper lives right around the corner, and we help each other in ways that are easy for us, respectively. She helps me clean my house, and I help her kids from time to time with their homework or babysitting so that she doesn't have to pay someone else to do it. We take turns making each other dinner, and I am certain that the Lord is pleased. I don't have any doubt about that. So I extend my gifts to people who might actually need them instead of sitting around and talking about it with people who don't while we sip coffee. And then I open myself up to the gifts of those less economically fortunate than me. And I understand in new ways how dear that woman with two coins is to the Lord. There are a million stories, both heartbreaking and joyous, but regardless of what's next door on any given day, I feel good about our decision to move. I do wish that it was a snap change in my heart that turned me into a more hospitable person, but that hasn't been the case. But while the truth might hurt me, it doesn't harm me. And Audie shows me what I need to see. From the book of Acts. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is my friend Kristen. We've been friends for four years. Her spirit is peace like a river. She is a surprisingly fierce garage sale shark. And she makes me want to sit down next to her and drink warm things. We have invited each other into our houses to stay and prevailed. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Allison. We are at your beautiful farm table, and um, we have been friends for four years. Four years. Four years. And you are one of my absolute favorite people. Mm. Um, The list is long. Why? But I find you so peaceful. Thank you. I think we met because you calm my spirit. I have Mm. a restless spirit. And there's something about, um, you're just a salve to my soul. And I just, thank you. I love it. Um, we met because your husband, he's, <laughs> I know, right? You just say his he's name and, and people giggle, <laughs> but he, um, built our fence and I knew right away, like we need to find a way to be in each other's lives. <laughs> it was really, it was neat affirmation because he was, he kind of did the same thing. Jason's not shy at all, but he's he was not. like, he's not. so I'm going to bring my wife over here for dinner one day <laughs> and we're going to be friends. And I'm like, and the rest is history. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing, Jason DeVore. So, and the rest is kind of history. I think it like is. one dinner date led to several and here we are. It did. It did. And it was so fun. And, um, you know, there's not always those people that you have an immediate connection with. Mm-hmm. There, sometimes it's a little bit of a slow burn, but with you and Seth, we just connected yes. quickly yes. and fast. And it was Shutting fast restaurants time. down, yes. last yes. ones to leave, Yes, sweeping Absolutely. under our feet. Y'all can yes. go now. <laughs> Please leave. 
<laughs> Yay. Well, it is no um, coincidence that you make me feel nothing but peace, and we are here to talk about um, home. Mm-hmm. And I think that home is so much more than just a physical space. And you are so talented. You have such a gift um, for making your personal space a feeling. It's not just, oh, that's well decorated, and it is. I wish you guys could see. Um, but it is a feeling of peace. When you cross over the threshold, it's just immediate something that you actually feel. Um, tell me about a little bit, just specifically, what you do to create that. So... Honestly speaking, um, I walked through a period of time in my life that the physical home itself was kind of an idol um, Mm -hmm. for me. We built a house years ago, early in our marriage, and um, I was just focused on the wrong things. Um, And so through that, the Lord really needed to teach me some things. And so we, we sold that house, and long story short, we rented for five and a half years, and we rented this teeny tiny little house um, with five people crammed into it. And the Lord will teach you a lot when you're one person on top of the other. You're elbow and to they're elbow. all people under the age of five. So during that time, the Lord just showed me that um, the home is not about where you live. It's not about how big the house is. It's not about what you fill it with. But it's about the people in it. It's about the memories that you make. Mm -hmm. It's about the way you open it up and you extend it to others as an offering Mm -hmm. of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And um, looking back on that season, I'm so, so grateful. Because as I sit here and I look out my window, I am just amazed that he told me so many times, I want you to walk through this because I have something so amazing Mm -hmm. for you on the other side of Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I never could have imagined that it would be where we're sitting today. So there's this, when I was thinking about you and your home and your gift for hospitality, I came across this verse in first Peter where (laughs) it's, it talks about practicing hospitality ungrudgingly. And so it just, it caught my attention because God isn't just telling us, oh, practice hospitality. He's saying, and like it. (laughs) Mm, Most definitely is. So what do you have, what are your thoughts about people? You know, this is your gifting. And I'm not saying that you don't have to work for it or that the Lord hasn't taken you on a journey. He certainly has. But you have such a natural inclination for doing this well. What do you have, what do you think about people that this isn't natural for, that they're, that it's difficult for? I mean, I feel like as women, we're, we're tender about opening up our spaces. What do you think about that? So I definitely think opening our space, it's a, it's a vulnerable thing to do. There's mm-hmm. insecurity. There's comparison. Mm-hmm. My house isn't big enough. It's not pretty enough. I don't know how to cook. Yes. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? He is calling you to an intimacy, to be with people, mm-hmm. to have a meal with people, Mm -hmm. to have community with people. Mm -hmm. I can think of several things that I actually just want to curl up in a ball. Um, Walking into a room full of people that I don't know and having to walk up and make small talk, I would rather run to the bathroom or crawl into the corner and curl up in a ball. Yeah. But 
he wants me to do that. He wants, he wants to me to enter into that. Yeah. And he wants me to, who knows, maybe that is, that's the person that I'm supposed to speak with that right, night. Right. Maybe there's something either I need to hear or they need to hear that I yeah. have to say. So he calls us to do these things that are really hard to do. Um, and he wants us to do them gladly. Mm-hmm. And then and we need him. Absolutely. You know, like we're doing these, these things that are hard for us. And it, we're, it's, it's an invitation to prayer where, you know, there's this communion, there's this intimacy, not just with others like we're called to, but also on him. I think he likes the, the closeness when, when we're uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, writing and speaking, those things don't, I have, those are things I have to work for. I have to work for that. And um, I'm totally needy in them. And so I think that that's why God has me doing them because we are in such close communion. But after that, I feel the thrill of God's power yes. in conquering um, my fears yes. and in staying close and doing something that's scary for me. Yes. It's just the thrill of God's power is awesome. Yes. So do things that are hard. <laughs> So it feels, you know, overwhelming to invite people into this space. But can't you think of so many times that it's completely refreshing to walk into somebody's mess, to walk (laughs) into somebody's chaos and them like unconcerned about it? Absolutely. I've never felt more at home than when I've, you know, stumbled upon somebody else's disaster. (laughs) This is awesome. We get to you know, kind of share our weaknesses in that way, which is always bonding. Yes. Um, so I guess one of the things that I find, there's no way that it is, while you have a gifting for it, there's no way that it's easy. It's not easy. It's, it's not easy to get the 12 loads of laundry done mm-hmm. every week that, you know, I feel like each week it grows by the load and it's sitting here today on my bar for you to see. Mm-hmm. Um, very neat little piles. <laughs> yeah. Why is other people's laundry so cute? There is a joke um, amongst the people that are close to me, you being one of them, that you walk in and most days you'll walk in and my house is pretty well put together. Mm-hmm. It's tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there might be crumbs on the floor, but things are in their place. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't always like that. I have not always been a neat, tidy person, but during that season that I talked about, um, of idolatry, the Lord really showed me that our homes are a gift. Mm. Um, there's something that he blesses us with and whether it is just the physical house and the, the things that are in it, we need to be good stewards of those. Just like we need to be good stewards of, of all the things that he blesses mm-hmm. us with in life. And so I've really, really taken that to heart in that um, this house is a gift. That is so and, beautiful, Kristen. Um, we want it to be an offering of thanksgiving, mm-hmm. like I mentioned. And so one of those ways that I can do that is by keeping things put in their place and keeping the floor swept and not letting things go by the wayside. Um, you know, it's funny because 
in yoga, I, I mean, it's the exact same thing. I want people, your body is a gift. Mm -hmm. This is something that God has called you to, to, to take care of. And I have never once looked at my house that way. I mean, have I appreciated it? And do we say prayers of Thanksgiving for it? Absolutely. Sure. But have I ever thought as I'm wiping a counter, this is how I'm saying thank you to the Lord. I mean, if that doesn't shift housework, then <laughs> nothing will. I love that so much. Thank you. Um, the other thing I, I want to bring up, bring up with you is that you are such, you practice such strategic hospitality. Like you just do not take it lightly. And through this conversation, I can see how much that God really has taken you on a journey. Like you've put so much thought into this and, um, I can see it in the things that I get invited to here. You know, sometimes it's, or, and, and probably don't and would never know about, it. <laughs> but like you, you gather very, um, specific people together. And so sometimes it's a more the merrier free for all out in the yard and down by the lake and on the pier and in and out. And then other times it's a small meeting of the minds. And, and I just am so inspired by how thoughtfully you open your home. It's just not a casual endeavor. Thank you. So tell me about swinging the doors open. So um, naturally, I am not an extrovert. I'm very much an introvert. Um, I become an extrovert when mm -hmm. I become comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. My husband is the extrovert. Um, <laughs> Indeed. He would, you know, invite the construction worker across the way over for dinner. And I love that oh. about him. Um, but together, we love people. Yes, and we love gathering people. You do. And we love entertaining people. And there's something about sharing a meal together. There's something about sitting on the couch and mm -hmm. having a hard conversation mm -hmm. with a friend. And we just enjoy, enjoy doing that. Um, there is a time and a place for the big shindigs that we have, mm -hmm. you know, those are times that we want to gather all the people that we love mm -hmm. together, no lines, no barriers, everybody come, mm -hmm. bring your kids, bring mm -hmm. your dogs, mm -hmm. whatever. <laughs> um, but then there are times for those small, intimate groups of people that have had connections together that just need to be nurtured. That you want to foster. Yes. It's so beautiful. Yes. So um, I think, as with anything, there's a time and place for mm -hmm. everything. And so yeah. I appreciate um, that's a really nice compliment. But we do. We Time is, nobody has a lot of time. Right. And so um, the people that we spend time with, we are thoughtful yeah, about. Yeah, that's why it's strategic. This is strategic just, hospitality. You know, there, there, <laughs> are hand, there are a few handfuls of people that we just want to invest time mm -hmm. in. And mm -hmm. so... You know, there was this book, and I'm gonna, I'll fix it in the mini episode for this, for this episode, but um, it's either Johnny Moore or Hugh Halter. Oh, I think I'm butchering both of those. I'll fix it. <laughs> fix it, Jesus. Um, anyways, but in one of his books, he was talking about everyone. He is a pastor of a church, and people would come to him and say, so what about the small groups? How do I get into a small group? And he looks at them, and he shakes his head, and he's like, we don't have those. You don't need another place where you feel like you belong. 
get out there and go make somebody else feel like they belong. And so isn't that beautiful? And which by the way, I love small groups. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I just think that that's such a bold, um, direction, you know, like to look around who feels lonely Mm -hmm. and I'm going to open my door for them. That is beautiful. I love that. Um, as we were, you know, kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand, um, you know, you mentioned something too that really captured my attention, but we're raising children here. We are. It's, let's not take that lightly. We are raising three, three humans here in our home. Um, I do not take being a mom lightly. I don't take being a wife lightly, but um, I don't take being a mom lightly at all. And so I really see our home as a place, place of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we are training up our children to yeah. hopefully go out and be respectable human beings mm-hmm. and to be loving people and to be kind and to scream the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try and be really intentional with our kids. Now, don't get me wrong. There are there are days that it's just messy and it's ugly and, you know, but we're human. And, oh, I imagine your kids just get home from school and like walk through this door and just fall into this place. Like just this place of home. It's such a, there's such peace. There's such rest. I really, really hope so. My desire um, is for when Jason and the kids walk home to just say, I'm home. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And whatever happened in the day can just fall by the wayside. And there's a sense of peace. Um, And I don't want that for just them. I want anybody that walks into our house to kick their shoes off Mm -hmm. and stay a while, Mm -hmm. curl up on the couch. Let's have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I want this to feel... um, peaceful for people. I want people to feel safe here. We all have stuff that we're walking Mm. through and I want people to come here and feel like they can take a deep breath and Mm. whatever's going on, um, they can just be at peace while they're here. So so I hope that people, people feel that. So, okay. So earlier, you know, we talked about what, what about what about people that have a hard time doing this? And so, you know, we touched on that, well, the Lord's just calling you into communion with him and communion with others. And so do it anyway, because the Bible tells us to not just to do it, but to do it happily. But what's, do you have anything specific? Like just get me started, sister. Okay. Specific. Okay. So again, we're women. We compare ourselves all the time, unfortunately. And so I can, I can just hear the conversations. Well, I don't have enough room around my table. Okay, we'll set up a card table. Mm -hmm. Put a blanket down on the floor. Mm -hmm. Gather around. Yeah. You know, sit Indian style like we're in kindergarten again. Um, My dishes aren't pretty. Use paper plates. We use paper plates all the time. Uh It's easy. It Uh makes cleanup so great. I don't know how to cook. Take out. Yes. What I want women to remember is it's not about you. Mm. It's not about you. Mm. It's about him. Yes. And I can think of a couple of times that we have um, opened our home. It wasn't the most convenient at all. And either I wanted to cancel or somebody was sick or um, we were too tired, whatever the excuse was. 
it just wasn't that it would have been time. easier to yes, not do it yes it would have been so much easier and every single one of those times somebody walked away as they were leaving and said you don't know how much I needed this. Wow. You don't know how much this meant to me. That's awesome. Or yes. a text or a phone call later that evening or the next day. And I think the Lord is so kind to give us those little gifts of you were obedient. You were obedient. You did Thank what I you. asked you to do. Ugh. And it blessed Yes. It blessed this person and it blessed oh, me. Oh, Kristen, thank so. you. Yes. I Well, I have been on the receiving end of that many times over. I'm so thankful. And I love just the, the very simple, you know, things. Like, or even, like, for me, it's... Um, you know, paper plate, like I, I, I can do the paper plates. I can do all of that. Um, if I have a messy room, I think I'm just going to invite people there first. <laughs> Everybody just come look at this messy room. Let's get it over with. <laughs> and then we'll shut the door. And then we'll shut the door. Shut the door. Yeah. Shut all your stuff that you don't want people to see. Just put it in a drawer. Put it in a room. Yes. And then, but... The, I mean, underneath all of that, like those are the, thank you for those, you know, bulleted things. But then underneath all of that, that very important message, it's not about you. This is about the Lord and being yes. obedient. And this is about pouring out and loving your neighbor. Ah, it's so awesome because self-addiction is, I think the strongest addiction there is constantly thinking about yourself, constantly thinking about how you're perceived, constantly answering to fear instead of, you know, what's possible, what the Lord can do yes. with our obedience. I love it so much. Um, Kristen, you are so gifted and people absolutely feel God here. And I'm so thankful that you told us a little bit about your story and, and how you specifically make that happen. Thank Thanks you. for sharing. Thank you. Love you. Love you. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Center Saint Sister is brought to you by Caffey & Sons Constructors, providing quality construction and renovation in Bryan College Station, and Signs Cleaning. Signs Cleaning, quality commercial cleaning that suits your company's budget. Call 979-260-3160 for a complimentary bid. Signs Cleaning, we don't cut corners, we clean them and Nightingale Pest Solutions, providing effective, ecologically conscientious strategies that promote healthful and pleasant pest-free environments for homeowners and businesses across the Brazos Valley. Nightingale Pest Solutions, exemplary service, extraordinary care. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers. But that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, Beefy. <clears throat> Hi, Beefy. So we met in the third grade. We did. We were both new to a new school, and coincidentally, both of our moms were teachers. And until second grade, they had had us at the school that they taught at, but they decided that year, our third grade year, to put us in the neighborhood school instead of where they taught. Yes. So, I I don't know that I've ever really thought about it. I mean, obviously, I've thought about it, but, okay, we were both only children. Both of our moms were teachers. Yes. 
both of our moms had us at their school with them teaching and then at the same time decided to put us in school somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, a lot yeah. of stars aligning. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, one thing to make it a little crazier is that my mom was trying to make the decision about what to do with me for school th- that next year. And her dad, my grandpa told her, you never know. She might have a best friend. Um, if you put her in the neighborhood school, she might have a best friend that lives just a couple of blocks further than she's allowed to ride her bike. Mm, that makes me cry. And that is exactly <laughs> what happened. You yep. lived five blocks further than I was allowed to go. Truth. Um, so on that first day of school, um, Kristen asked me to be her reading partner. It was the first day. And so I was new. And so when the teacher announced, okay, go ahead and find a reading partner, I dropped my head and my palms started to sweat and I stared at my shoes. I wanted to crawl on my desk. And when I did finally think to peek up, there you were, your sweet, angelic, smiling, (laughs) hopeful face. Chubby. (laughs) You were there waiting um, for eye contact and you asked me as soon as I looked up if I wanted to be your reading partner. I have always thought that you were so brave for that. So nice. Um... It's kind of a fundamental difference in our personalities, by the way. I don't know about that, but what it makes me think about is your loyalty and how I could have never known that in that moment when I did that, something that you perceived was a big deal, um, Mm -hmm. you were in it with me forever, and that's just how you are. (laughs) Oh, you save me? (laughs) You save me from trying to find a reading partner on the first day of school? I'm yours for life. (laughs) And you dressed me for life. uh, Like... (laughs) Generous from age eight, um, literally giving me the shirt off your back. You dressed me for every single school dance and <laughs> probably most regular days as well. I love it. Um, okay, so here's our question. Um, listener asks, I really want my house to be the house that kids want to hang out at. How do you make a home where kids want to be? Mm. That is such a good question. Great I want to like, if this were a Facebook post, I would type in following and then just wait to see what everyone else says. <laughs> Uh, Whose house were we at at? Were we at more? Yours or mine? Uh, I feel like it depended on what what our goal was. I mean, if we just wanted to hang out, I would say yours because, um, first of all, there was always donuts involved. When you spent the night at Allison's house, you would wake up. I am not kidding. There would be a large box of donuts at your feet mm-hmm. in your bed. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the night before, there would have been lots of candy from the mm-hmm. mall, like, whatever those places were that had all those bins of gummies. Um, and I just felt like we were really well nurtured there. Like Mm -hmm. in addition to donuts and candy and Swiss cake rolls, um, there was always like yummy candles that were um, burning Mm -hmm. and lots of blankets and quilts. I feel like we could like snuggle up on your couch to watch a movie and your mom would like surround us with warm, smelly, delicious things. Yeah. (laughs) Sherry and Larry really know how to make someone feel welcome in their home for sure. Um, that, that's, that's definitely true. And those are sweet memories of mine too. But if we were having a party, like a slumber party or a new year's Eve party, elementary style, it was your house. Like we wanted to be at your house. Your mom, as strict as she could be in everyday life, she loved a good celebration. This is true. And, uh, she did an amazing job of making us feel, you know, like we had a lot of freedom. We didn't feel very supervised there and we could stay up as late as we wanted. And she never seemed to pop in to make sure that we were being appropriate because we weren't. But this is, this is, I love this. This is so Beverly. I love this so much because at the same time, we really didn't have all that much freedom. If I had told a dirty joke 
you know, that night at the party, I was going to hear about it the next day. <laughs> Thank God. She never told my mom. I let, She always just came to me. <laughs> God bless her. I love I it do. so much. But I was going to hear about it the next day. So she was monitoring us, but never overbearingly. We just felt like we had a lot of freedom. It was so fun. Just kind of creeping on us. Um, yeah. That actually randomly makes me think of the other day. My seven and a half year old had a friend over and they were in his room and the activity of choice was saying the word fart, I think, as many times as they possibly could, and then trying to make, you know, when you stick your hand under your armpit and, like, stuff it, but you can also stick your hand under your knee and, like, oh. make farting noise. Mm-hmm. So it was how many ways they could, and it was all I could do to not go in there and say, that is gross, stop it. And then I thought, if I'm going to be the cool house, we got to be able to talk about farts. <laughs> and we got to try to make fart sounds from every parts of our body. you got to come up with some new and inventive <laughs> ways to make a fart, baby. <laughs> But there's got to be a love factor too, right? I mean, just being somewhere that you feel appreciated, that you feel seen. Um, I didn't get on Facebook right away when Zuckerberg, what's his name, invented it. (laughs) And I was late to that Facebook party. And so um, many people got back in touch with me and immediately asked, how are your parents? Um, They just, they made people feel seen. And one private message I got, which I won't forget, um, it said, your mom is the only person who ever made me feel beautiful. Mm, I believe it. Yeah. So, fake freedom, real love, and lots of candy and donuts. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I think that uh, sugar cereal seems to be working great for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you. Bye, Beef. Signing off, Beef. Bella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened, and now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubelle win the internet day after day. December 1982 was my family's first Christmas in the United States. I was four years old, and my parents and I lived in a small apartment on Antoine Drive. My dad's new job in America wasn't going to kick in to full-time until after the new year, so he got a part-time job at night. For almost five months, Bernie delivered pizzas for Pizza Hut from 6 p.m. to midnight. It was important to him and my mother to establish a nice nest egg in this new country, and they wanted to try and buy a house in a good school district before I started kindergarten. A comfortable, safe, loving home was important to them. So after his day job, my dad would head over to Pizza Hut to deliver pizzas all over Northwest Houston. Our white Pontiac Firebird Trans Am smelled of pepperoni, and I would wake up some mornings to breadsticks for breakfast. I had no doubt that my father worked that job with utmost pride, and it should not surprise anyone in his five months, he was Employee of the Month four times. That Christmas 34 years ago, Dad worked both Christmas Eve and the night of Christmas Day. He snuck into Midnight Mass with a blazer over his Pizza Hut polo, and when we went home, he gave me the biggest treat. Two Christmas pizzas, one shaped like a stocking and the other a tree with pepperonis decorating the cheese. I was giddy. My mom told me, that's why Dad had to work tonight. Only the people working get that special pizza. This past Christmas Eve, we reminisced about Christmases of the past and told the story of our Pizza Hut year. Do you know I worked that holiday, my father asked. Yes, I said proudly. 
for the Christmas pizzas. My dad smiled and said, do you remember what you asked for from Santa that year? I answered, a bike, I think. My mom said, you asked for a strawberry shortcake pink bike with a basket. We bought it on layaway from Toys R Us, and if you worked on Christmas Eve, you got paid double, so your dad worked. My dad said, we paid that bike off on December 26th. I asked, it wasn't for the Christmas pizzas, it was for the bike? My mom said, you were scared Santa still thought we lived in the Philippines. You were scared Santa didn't know about our new home. We had to get you that bike. My father replied, but you did love that Christmas pizza. You said it was the best pizza you will ever have. As I grow older, I discover the tiny yet ginormous things my parents did for me to make me feel loved. I have no doubt that I will never know half of their generosity or what they sacrificed to make our home a haven of kindness. And although I can never hug them hard enough for their selflessness, I can show them that I am grateful. Thanks to my husband's brilliant idea and the dominoes on Telgi Road, in addition to their normal Christmas gifts under the tree, I said it was my turn and I delivered a stocking-shaped pizza for lunch. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. Home. My home looks like my grandma's house where I grew up. It sat in the middle of a bunch of really tall trees that I always believed would lead me straight to heaven if ever I could climb high enough. As a kid, I imagined we lived in a jungle. Thick, green, tangled weeds, drooping, swaying, twisting, thriving. Home was mud pies and frogs and my grandmother's rubber boots. The old house, I can see now with grown-up eyes that it was barely standing, falling apart. But I can also see with my grown-up eyes that it was held together with all the love that anyone could ever need. Love that grew as thick as those weeds. It was safe and inviting. It was where my best memories were made. It smelled of my grandma's fried chicken that she made every Sunday after church while homemade desserts and cobblers finished baking in the oven. She was always cooking something special, and maybe it wasn't true, but I always believed it was just for me. At night, the only sounds I could hear were the crickets outside and occasionally my grandma's slippers sliding across the floor on her way to the bathroom. When I hugged my grandma, she smelled like icy hot and cough drops, and to this day, if I smell either of those things, I can't help but turn around to look for her. She was my hero. She was the only reason I had a decent childhood. But when I was eight, my mom, in a panic, moved me far, far away, where I was forced to grow up far too soon. I miss my grandma and the home she made, where love grew like thick jungle weeds.
Dear God, your love is nothing like our love, as far as the East is from the West. We raise our kids to be independent and to not need us and to leave home, but you long for your children to be dependent, to only need you, and to come home. And until we do, Lord, until we come home, nothing will be quite right. We are pilgrims here passing through, created for eternity. In the meantime, God, help us to love one another well, to extend ourselves in your name and for your glory, to do the work that brings a little bit of heaven here on earth by housing one another and creating homes where people feel safe and cared for. Help us to turn our attention from ourselves and our desires to impress one another with surface-level things that do nothing to impact eternity. And lead us instead to the hard and holy work of letting others in. We ask these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. And for this episode, a special thank you goes to Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Chan Redfield for music, Kristen Kelly, Kristen DeVore, Kelly Holly, Pamela Anthony Cutright, Kathy and Sons Constructors, Nightingale Pest Solutions, Signs Cleaning, Brian Federal Prison Camp, Larry and Sherry Mays, Beverly House, Bernie and Lorella Cruz, and Audie.